0: This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores.
1: Hi, this is Clay Matthews, and you're listening to the eye test for two.
0: Welcome back to the weekly I Test for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we're both Hall of Fame voters. And we're joined today, as we are every week, by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. And guys, just wondering, did you watch that national championship game Monday? Specifically, did you see Alabama's Devontae Smith? I think it was Ohio State with a screaming, give me shelter. Did you see it, Ian? Ira? It's
2: fantastic.
1: Uh, he, he looks like the next Julio Jones, gentlemen. And, uh, you know, I, Clark, I think there's a little bit of tide fatigue because yeah. they're in this thing every year and they win it every year. But, Clark, they got the best coach and the best recruiting class every year. And, you know, that's going to be tough to beat. And it's like watching the New England Patriots every year uh, other
0: than this year. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, guys. I saw a headline and it called Devontae Smith. The greatest receiver in college football history. Now, I'm old enough to have watched Jerry Rice, not only the pros but in college. Tavon Austin. I honestly, that's the first thing I thought of. I saw West Virginia game where he had like five thousand yards. I'm like, well, sort of like him. But how about Fred Belinda? He was so good they named the best wide receiver
1: in college football after him. So I think that's a little bit premature. How about you, Ira? A little bit premature, but this this kid is uh, this kid's going to be outstanding. There's no question good. about it. He's got a knack for getting open. He's got the whole package. Smart kid, uh, going to be a great pro. Yeah, and I
0: saw what Joe Mixon says he wants the Bengals to take him with the fifth pick. He ain't going to last that long. I think Miami's <laughs> got him to the third. Okay, I want to move on to uh, one other subject before we get to Tony Grossi, and that's uh, quarterbacks who may or may not retire and who may or may not be ticketed for the Hall of Fame. And I direct this to you since you are a Hall of Fame voter. I'm talking specifically about Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, and Ben Roethlisberger. Now, we know Roethlisberger and Rivers are out of the playoffs Breeze is not. Let's start with Breeze. I mean, there are reports that he's going to retire. I thought last year he'd retire. I think he will retire. How about
1: you? I don't think there's any question about Breeze. I think this is it for him. Uh, when the Bucks knock him out uh, on Sunday, that will that will be Breeze's final game in an NFL uniform. Okay, will be it? Okay, let's move on to Philip Rivers. I covered him long enough to
0: know when I see him emotional, like he was at his final Zoom conference there after the loss to Buffalo. That's a signal that something's coming up. I think he will retire. How about you?
1: I don't think he will retire. I think he still wants to play. And I, and I don't think Indy's got an a, a quick replacement for him. Uh, they might have to draft somebody. I mean, uh, I, I think they need him. Um, and in terms of the Hall of Fame, Clark, I think I would lean towards putting him in. I think he's been that good for that long. Okay. I would
0: lean towards not putting him in, honestly, at this point. Lastly, Ben Roethlisberger. What about him? You, you think he's would, with Pittsburgh?
1: I think he's back. Not necessarily with Pittsburgh, but again, they don't have another option. Pittsburgh. They don't have anybody. And look, he had a pretty good year, Clark. And I'm not going to blame him for a 28 nothing deficit necessarily. Uh, I, I think he's got a little left in the tank, and he and he and he'll get healthy. I think he's back in 2021. Yeah, I agree with you, and had a pretty good year. First
0: half of the year, people said he should be a Hall of Fame candidate. I mean, it should be a uh, MVP player candidate. of the year, MVP candidate. Yeah. And, and suddenly after this game, they should retire. But he had a pretty good year. That left knee of his is hurt worse than people know, and it was tr- bothering him driving the ball, and I think you saw that. But um, I think he's got another year left, and honestly, watching him on the bench with Marquise Pouncey, I thought that looks like a guy who's going to leave too. But he has a year left on his contract. He wants to come back. I think he will come back to if you if he did, IRA, if it were to end for him today, Hall of Fame, no Hall of Fame. Where do you stand with him? Uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, Ben first I'm with ballot. You. I'm with you all the way. Well, since we mentioned Hall of Fame and this is Hall of Fame theme show, we have Hall of Fame voter Tony Grossi of 850 ESPN Cleveland and Fox Sports Ohio. He's here with us today and we're glad that he is. Now, Tony has been on the Halls Board of Selectors for Tony, how many years?
2: Uh, I think the first number is two. I don't know what the second number is. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay, a long time. And I know you followed the Browns since the 1980s. When did you first start following the Browns? Now,
2: uh, 1984. I took over very early in that season. So 1985, the dawning of the Bernie Kosar era was
0: my first wow. full season. Okay, so you've seen the good, bad, and the ugly with the Browns. Mostly ugly. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, first of all. And secondly, Boy, what a long, strange trip it's been for your Browns, huh? It's been uh,
2: remarkable. Uh, just this year alone has been remarkable. But when you consider all the, all the history, you know, this is the first year they made the playoffs since 2002. Uh, they, they, they won that playoff game Sunday night against Pittsburgh. First time they won in Heinz Field in 18 games. First time they ever beat Ben and Tomlin and Hinesfield. They've been just knocking down these historical barriers every week.
0: So how do you explain it? I mean, it looked to me like it was set up for a Pittsburgh win. Um, they had rested people the week before. The Browns had the head coach missing, assistants missing, players missing. They didn't practice. Big, Big Ben was 15-0 and 0 against him at home. Everything seemed to be in Pittsburgh's favor. And yet somehow these Browns, When you want to count them out, they're resilient. They come back. How do you explain that?
2: Well, first of all, you guys appreciate this. Uh, um, Everyone has the the best column they never wrote. (laughs) I was really determined in the beginning of the week to write, the NFL should not play this game. It was just competitively not fair. I agree with you. Because there were so many. There were six coaches out at the beginning of the week, uh, eight players. It ended up being four coaches and four players. So for some reason, I didn't get it done, and I'm so glad I didn't because it produced (laughs) – that game was the greatest game I've covered right up there with the 1986 Browns playoff Wow, over the Jets. Double, really? Double overtime. It was considering all the circumstances. They practiced one day that week and one day the week before. So two weeks of hardly any practices with COVID issues and they beat the Steelers at home and they beat the Steelers in the playoff game. So it, it was a momentous game for this franchise. <clears throat> and as far as how has it happened, Geez, it starts with Kevin Stefanski. It's unbelievable what a great game-changing coach can do. They had talent last year. Everyone thought I thought last year was what would they be doing now, uh, but they didn't have the right coach. So they changed coaches, and you know every time they've overcome adversity, and it started right from the fact you know every team had that adversity from the start. But this was a first-time head coach and a first-year staff together that wasn't able to do all that stuff. They had injuries in preseason. And uh, uh, every time they overcame it, they got stronger as a team. And in the last two weeks, it's just been one thing after another. Every day, my phone in the morning notif- notification, we have an announcement coming, the Browns. Another guy is out. You know, another <laughs> coach is out. The facility has been closed. And they've just overcome it, and it's made them better than uh, anyone foresaw.
1: Hey, Tony, um, I don't know if you know this, but last week our guest was none other than Clay Matthews. And uh, he was he was great, and, of course, he's a Hall of Fame candidate. Tony, you covered him extensively. Uh, I think of him, I think of sustained excellence. To me, that's one of the definitions of, of a Hall of Famer. Um, what should our listeners know about uh, Clay Matthews' career uh, with the Browns?
2: Well, he played 16 years with the Browns, and he didn't just hang on. He, he started every one of those years except one when he uh, was injured. Uh, three more years with Atlanta, uh, uh, into the age of 40, he was still starting and a productive linebacker. He's played more games at linebacker than any player in history. It's 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 not kicker. It's linebacker. It's a demanding position, and uh, he's you know I just thought about this. This is surprising to me. There's only two Cleveland Browns defensive players in the Hall of Fame. You know, in the Paul Brown era, they were always known for offense. They only had two uh, defensive players: Bill Will- Willis and uh, Lenny Ford, and Clay. In my time, you know, it's over 30 years now. He's the best defensive player of the Cleveland Browns in the last 40 years. Wow. And uh, I have a bunch of stats that, you know, embellish that. Uh, but but basically, that's what I would say about them. Sustained excellence over a long period of time it is exactly right. When you think players are just trying to get, you know, 10 years is a major accomplishment to survive that long in the NFL. And if you're 10 years of an excellent player, that's usually – you know opens the door to the hall of fame imagine 19 years of excellence even after the age of 40 he was still making an impact with the atlanta falcons
1: tony looking ahead to uh this weekend's game against the kc uh, it's another level tony you know that um if you were the offensive coordinator tony would you agree with me Tony, that the game plan has to be, we, we got to run the ball 35 times to have a chance. We, we gotta, we gotta stick with the running game and keep Mahomes on the sideline.
2: Ira, I would agree with you, but it's not in Stefanski's DNA to do that. Wow. He does not do that. He, his theory is, and, and this isn't a, the, the, the Browns defense is their weakness. I, I don't know how many teams play defenses, but, but this one gives up a lot of, a lot of points and yards. And in acknowledgement of that, his theory is throw as many points as he can early in the game, just like he did against the, the Steelers. He's done it against the Cowboys and Tennessee. They were up 38-7, I think, or 38-3 at halftime against Tennessee. That's his DNA. And just hang on and use Chubb and Hunt in the running game in the second half to ice the game. But I do not, I have not seen him yet come out and try to play a, a conservative possession type game, even though I probably would given the makeup of their team.
0: Tony, a couple of things, just in, in uh, reference to Clay Matthews, when you were saying he was a productive player throughout his career, his last year with Atlanta, I think it was 39, he led the team in sacks. <laughs> yeah, it's sack. I mean, yeah, yeah. incredible. Yeah, um, and and also, I, I think it was, I'm not sure, but I think it was uh, Hall of Famer Gil Brand who said, he started at outside linebacker for 18 years, 19 years, whatever it was. He goes, there aren't people who do that. You don't start at outside linebacker for that many years. You've got to, you've got to rush the pass. You've got to cover. You don't do that. It makes him extraordinary. Anyway, um, glad to hear you talk about him. And I know uh, who's going to present him? You or, or Mary Kay? Because both of you are Hall of Fame voters, both from Cleveland. Yeah, I will. I will begin the presentation. The, okay, the opening salvo, and Mary Kay will uh, pick up. Okay, and then going back to what Ira just asked, uh, to me, I think that's a, a good question because we've got Ian Glendon, our producer on here. He's a diehard Patriots fan. And if you watch the conference championship game in 2018, it was the Patriots against Kansas City, and they go, oh, Mahomes against Brady. and uh, Not so fast. New England win in that game saying, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to beat you by controlling the ball, moving the chains, and keeping Mahomes off the field. And they did that until... Brady had to get involved, and Brady won the game in overtime. But you look back at that game, the time of possession was extraordinary. They just kept moving the ball up and down the field, running, running, running. And I thought, you've got two premier backs here. Just feed them the ball. You reduce the mistakes that Mayfield may make, and you keep Mahomes off the field. But you say that's that's not going to happen. Huh?
2: I agree. And, and I have advocated that all season long. It's against certain teams, and he just doesn't do it. And you can't argue they're 12-5. and five. Yeah, and and he is their system. Uh, uh, you know the, the the Kubiak system, bootleg and play fake, yep. play action. Uh, Baker's developed amazingly in it, and and they do have a potent offensive team too. In sure. addition to just Chubb and Hunt, so it, it it's amazing that he is relentless in it. every script to start a game. He comes out firing. And I expect him to do it again against Kansas city.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I want to get into a game of tennis though with the chiefs, you know, holding sir back and forth, back and forth, because, um, you know, they're going to score a lot of points. You saw what Roethlisberger did in the second half against Cleveland. And I understand what the situation was. You, you're simply going to play soft and and hope to get to the finish line. And you did. But, um, I wonder then when I see this, I go, what could Mahomes do against these guys if that's what's going on here. And so, um, I, I don't, I guess what, what I'd ask you here is, I mean, I'm a big believer in momentum and they've got it. I mean, they've got momentum yeah. and, and, and I think boy that can carry you through the playoffs. I've seen it before. So is Ira, but realistically, if that's the way they're going in this game, realistically, what do you think their chances are of upsetting Kansas city?
2: Something about them. It's, you know, we've all had a season where we've covered a team where it just seems to have some magic dust around it. And that's what this team is now. Now, uh, I don't know how far they'll go, but uh, I, at the beginning of the year, I'd say, Oh my gosh, that's going to be a horrendous day for the Browns. I don't think that anymore. Uh, I think the point spread is, is fair, accurate. It's 10 or 11, whatever it is. But this team um, has been through so much. And again, but going back to my statement, they keep getting stronger because of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, the, the follow-up on, on why I think his philosophy is to do the, that scoring thing you know, they've been able to get big leads on, on on great offensive teams. And inevitably what happens is the team that's trying to catch up is the one who ends up making the mistake, mistake that falls short. You know, like like Ben kept firing away four interceptions. Mike, and and yeah. that's how Dak Prescott, you know, he scored like 24 points in a quarter and, and then threw an interception. So it's working for him somehow. and
0: And, and I think partly it works because you don't expect it. Yeah, well, be careful what you wish for because Kansas City was down 24 nothing to Houston. I know. And they won in a playoff
1: game.
2: Yeah, hey, I've, Tony. Read, I've written that story already.
1: <laughs> Tony, uh, Tony, I, I want to get your opinion on how the Browns are set up, Tony, for the foreseeable future, three to five years. What's going on with the salary cap, Tony? And do they have enough, you know, young cornerstone players uh, that they're going to be a big factor uh, in the short run? Uh, I think they are,
2: are, they're they're aligned perfectly. They finally got it right with the GM, Andrew Berry, who's a bright, young, rising star GM, uh, Stefanski. They talk the same language. So so that part is in in, in tact. Uh, uh, They have some contract issues that the Browns have never faced before because they've got stars now approaching their fourth and fifth year. Uh, Baker's uh, fourth year is coming up. Uh, you know they 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 can uh, 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 fifth year option him. Uh, Nick Chubb uh, was a second round pick. He doesn't have fifth year option, so they got to take care, care of him this year. They got a cornerstone defensive end in Miles Garrett. They've got a cornerback Denzel Ward, who's one of the best. I think they think as long as he stays on the field, they're a young team. They've got their oldest players are all have expiring contracts. They were they were one year you know, fill ends. Uh, they, got, they got a lot of work to do on defense. It'll be a defensive offseason for them, priority-wise. Uh, uh, they got some young players uh, who were injured all year. Grant Delpit, a rookie safety, uh, never played because he got hurt. Uh, Greedy Williams, a second-round cornerback, entering his second year. He's out all year. So they got some ready-made replacements to come back. They're in great shape, I think. I, I do think this is not – no matter what happens Sunday for the Browns, it's not the end. It's only the beginning of a, of a run.
1: Tony, one of the things I noticed uh, about the stats after the game against Pittsburgh, and I'm sure you noticed it too, Roethlisberger threw 68 passes, and and he was never deposited on his keister, <laughs> <right>. Tony. Um, <laughs> and, and he certainly doesn't have the mobility of Patrick Mahomes – what, what's going on with the pass rush what they do against Garrett and, and how are they going to get some some heat on Mahomes
2: yeah uh, I think they schemed against Ben to uh, uh, they wanted him sacked of course but but they used a lot of guys in coverage and, and for long periods of the game that didn't even help um, but uh, Garrett had lost his uh, complimentary rusher Olivier Vernon who uh, who's out with an Achilles rupture. he's done. Uh, he had a great uh, year as, the, as a complimentary rusher, the other end. So without him, uh, uh, all attention is on Garrett. And, and although you're right, uh, it's a lot of pass dropbacks. You know, Ben gets rid of the ball faster than anybody at this stage of his career. He doesn't want to get hit. And, and it's kind of hurt their offense as a result. And he did throw four interceptions. So the Browns would say, we did exactly what we wanted. You know, no. Now Mahomes different. I have no idea. Uh, he's almost, uh, he's got the Lamar Jackson trade is, you know, you, you could cover for eight seconds and do everything right. And then that ninth second, Mahomes makes a play on you, either with his arm or with his leg. So they got a lot of work to do on that, especially since they have, they still don't know if Denzel Ward will be back. He was a COVID reserve guy. Kevin Johnson, there's Nickelback COVID reserve. They'll be mathematically eligible to get back on Thursday of this week, and we don't know yet if they will or
0: not. I like Ira's question because we had Tony Dungy on here months ago. I think it was in October, Ira, and we were asking him about defending Mahomes, and he said the only way you can get him, and you can't get him, the only way you can get him is with a three- or four-man rush. You do not blitz him. Do not, because he'll kill you. And I watched games from then on, and that's exactly how teams played him. The the, the, um, Patriots played him that way. The Raiders played him that way. They rushed three and four guys, and he was sort of frazzled. And, again, reference to Ian Glendon with the New England Patriots, the Jets' 2010 playoff defeat of the the Patriots, they rushed three guys. And Brady was standing there going, uh, well, he had all the time in the world, but he couldn't find anyone. And, and that may be the way to go. And I'm glad you mentioned Vernon because I thought when they lost Vernon, they lost their opportunity. Much like when Pittsburgh lost Dupree, they lost their opportunity because now you can't have those bookend pass rushers. Right.
2: Well, I'm marking this down, Clark. I'm going to pass this on to Joe
0: Woods about the three-man run. <laughs> this will be a column you don't want to write again. Right? Just don't publish it. So here's what I want to ask you, Tony. I, I know you've been all over the place on, on Baker Mayfield, and so has everyone else. I mean, I don't know what I'm looking at week to week. Uh, and I mentioned good, bad, and the ugly earlier. I was talking about the Browns' history. You could be talking about Baker Mayfield's history. I'm not sure I trust him completely in big games. How about you?
2: Well, I I think he's earned a lot of trust, and this goes back to another major accomplishment of Stefanski. He has developed Mayfield. You know, for half the season, he turned this gunslinger into a game manager. For half the season, he wasn't throwing more than eight passes in the second halves of wins. Five times. Okay. Uh, after the bye week, which was right in the middle, uh, they had a meeting of the minds and there was a mutual trust established. And now he is throwing a lot, a lot more than I expect with that double uh, dynamic duel. Yeah. Um, he certainly won the biggest. He's the, he's the you know, there was nothing that bigger in Cleveland Browns football in the last 25 years than that game uh, the other night. And, and he had a pretty good game. So I think he, I think everybody's uh, uh, trusting him. He's only had one interception since uh, week nine, one, and, and, uh, and you know, a couple fumbles. So right. he has learned to protect the ball. He, he, this system is just ideal for him. He's not the gunslinger that, that went against Mahomes in college where they produced like, I don't know, 2,000 yards <laughs> plus in passing in a classic college game. Uh, you don't want him thrown 70 times. Mahomes threw 70 times in that game. <laughs> Texas Tech in Oklahoma, by the way.
0: Big 12. <laughs> Big 12 yeah. defense. Doesn't right.
2: exist. <laughs> Although the NFL is turning into that. Isn't it, it is. It is. It is. But, but in answer to your question, uh, geez, if he could win me over, he could win anyone over because I, I doubted him every step of the way. And he, and he knows it. <laughs> <Don't.
1: laughs> Tony, I got one more. Thank you very much for doing this, Mr. G. And I'll see you on the Zoom call uh, next week. Tony, somebody asked me the other day, you know, what's going on in Tampa in terms of Buck fans? Is, is it muted? Uh, and it is, Tony. It is publicly, the displays, the flags and whatever. What's the scene in Cleveland? You know that town so well. Um, what's going on with Browns Nation uh, uh, amid the COVID?
2: Um, it is muted because of COVID. You know, they, they were allowed 12,000 fans at their games and, and uh, they got them. But it's just a shame uh, the place can't be jam-packed. Um, but uh, I just saw a, a, a rating, that the TV rating in Cleveland of that Cleveland-Pittsburgh game Sunday night had a 75 share. Oh. I mean, Three out of every TV's turned on were watching that game in Cleveland. That bettered the mark for the Cavaliers' championship game uh, in Game 7 when they beat the Golden State. It beat the Indians game seven against the Cubs. So, and, and, and so it's there. I mean, they, they are, they are so pumped up here. Uh, But the, you know, having lived through the eighties when it, when it was really exciting, um, it misses that, you you know, the the bars aren't open at night. There's a 10 10 PM curfew here. And, And so there's not that rejoicing, but I'll tell you what the Sunday night game, uh, they did have a, a couple hundred people show up at three in the morning at the airport to greet the Browns coming back. Uh, and there were also fireworks going off, horns blaring. I heard them in my neighborhood. I got reports of downtown Cleveland. So it is definitely there. It's just it's naturally
0: muted, like you said, Ira. Tony, I think we saw you at the airport. Ira, didn't we? He was, wasn't was he shooting off the fireworks? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not there. <laughs> Tony Grossi, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, congratulations on persevering through these decades of no playoffs and finally getting there. But we'll see you next week at the Pro Football of Fame Zoom call. But thanks so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Look forward to it, guys. Take care.
0: You got it. Take care, Tony. Take That was Hall of Fame voter Tony Grozzi. And this, this is the eye test for two on fullpressradio.com.